0: Welcome back to another episode of Cyberstar Talks podcast. I am Ayona. As always, I am so thrilled you're spending your precious time with me and my honored guest. Today's guest is Nadia Elfertasi, based in Brussels, Belgium. Her professional journey has illuminated the essential role of emotional intelligence in navigating the complexities of the digital era. With over two decades working at NATO, Nadia played an important role in shaping strategies and technology programs that spanned across the transatlantic region, marrying technical innovation with human connection. These insights paved her way for Thrive with EQ, which is her initiative focusing on building human resilience through emotional intelligence. Drawing from her extensive experience at NATO, Nadia has designed a three-step system that serves as an emotional safeguard for individuals and organizations. Nadia is a podcaster, consultant, and a keynote speaker. She led the tabletop exercise on building emotional firewalls for the PMI chapter of Ireland in Dublin, and actively engaged with global initiatives like the World Saving Bank Institute. Nadia, I'm truly honored to have you here today, and I'm really excited about this episode.
1: Thank you. I'm excited that you invited me as your guest.
0: Nadia, you are known as a thought leader in emotional intelligence. What solutions do you provide to companies uh, aiming to cultivate a human-centric approach to cyber resilience?
1: Thank you. Thank you, Jonah. And and before I I answer your question, I, I do love that you've chosen the word thought leader and not expert. And this is my personal view because someone also called me an expert in emotional intelligence and I was going to write a whole comment and I just said, just say thank you. But I do believe it's important because I think expert gives the notion that we know it all. And especially in this era, we should not know it all. We should be always in that mindset of learning more, being Excellent. adaptable, having new perspectives, right? That there was a, a great article from a PhD student in Cambridge that wrote the in, in, in thesis or an argument about the importance of feeling stupid because when you <laughs> don't know everything, then you will... So I'm always very careful when people you know say, that, and I know it's a common use language, but I think thought leader is a much better prescription because it really shows that um, we should not never lose our uh, ability
0: to learn si- exactly. ability
1: exactly to learn and to change perspectives and to even you know I, I learned a lot I I started with emotional intelligence already a few years ago in this domain and I got a lot of pushback. But I always learn more, and how do I frame it better? How do I apply it to problems? And that mindset is is what keeps me also going, and I and I love it. So, so thank you for choosing that that word, thought leader. That's a and, great
0: perspective.
1: Yeah, <laughs> yeah. and uh, in order, and to answer your question, so. I help uh, businesses and my focus is mainly in the area or industry, science, technology, engineering and maths. Why? It's because those industries are highly technical regulated, high expertise when it comes to subject matter expertise, as we just talked about. And they can use emotional intelligence or they need emotional intelligence in order to deal with this Challenging change of the digital age that we are seeing, right? Not even uh, haven't touched the impact of AI and the upskilling and reskilling that comes with it when we look at the human potential. So I focus specifically on first helping uh, organizations help their employees build emotional firewalls against cybercrime and scams. So as you know very well, cybercriminals use emotional manipulation techniques to get a foot in the door. And uh, we can obviously reduce the human surface attack through technical solutions. That is important because people only can do so much. So we need to reduce that risk through technology. But there's always a a bigger risk when it comes to human factor. You can also reduce that risk through emotional intelligence strategies to empower people in their map of the world by uh, becoming more emotionally intelligent when it comes to cybercrime scenarios. So that is one uh, program I offer uh, organizations. The second one is I've developed what I call a CISO Sanctuary. So it's really a safe haven for uh, chief information or chief information security officers to help them implement emotional intelligence in their challenging uh, life, right? And that's it's-
0: very much needed, especially yes. for CISOs, because they yeah. are dealing on daily basis with a lot of yeah. um, like firebacks and and like exactly. challenges coming from exactly. different directions.
1: Exactly. And for my time at NATO, because we often, you know, we have all these leadership programs for CISO, how to become a better leader, how to become, you know, the, uh, communicate business risk. These are quite smart and intelligent individual. And what I also found from my time in NATO working a lot with CIOs and CISO is the pressure then in implementing the strategies and working with these different teams. And everyone has their own agenda and risk and, and uh, portfolio especially now in a hybrid working environment. So it's really a safe space to reduce their invisible stress factors, uh, implement their strategies and their map of the world through practical emotional intelligence strategy. So I came up with that idea to create a safe haven for them. Then I, have, I also offer workshops, which basically is workshops uh, between either C-suite or between a C-suite and their team. I, I, I love to be creative, so I call it uh, the, the captain, which is the C-suite, the master, which is the, the middle management, and then the sailors, which is the workforce, the employees, the team, and really help them build resilience to practical cyber scenarios. So not technical scenarios, but how would you act when uh, someone falls prey to a phishing attack, and now there is a you know ransomware going on, How would you navigate this? So still using a fun environment, but really making them think how do they navigate crisis situations as a team? And then lastly, uh, I've developed executive coaching programs for C-suite, particularly 3C-suite because I think those represent the most important triangle to building cyber resilience, which is the CEO on the top because he is responsible for the business risk. And All then right. you have the CISO who's responsible for the security risk. And then you have the CPO or CHRO, so Human Resources Who's responsible for the talent development and the, and the workforce uh, solutions? So those three are crucial to work hand in hand. But cyber risk means different things in their map of the world. So I really designed a, a unique program, but that coaches them in different ways related to their business risk. So right. these are the 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 main uh, things I offer, and I also offer a keynote to explain uh, and have people exercise with emotional intelligence and in building cyber resilience.
0: And that looks like a very much tailored package that you offer to to the business, and also very practical.
1: Yes, I I want to say that I was <laughs> I just woke up one day and it just came, but no, it is a lot of trial and error.
0: <laughs> of I course, I can imagine. <laughs>
1: Yeah, as an entrepreneur, we have an idea and we think this is it. But you have to get, you know, feedback and really, so I I really used all the feedback I got and finally came to a value proposition that focuses truly on the problem the the customer has. And this is, you know, throughout the the past years of uh, working with clients and getting their feedback and adjusting. Flexibility is really important to to always focus on how can I help them solve their problem and make them feel better afterwards.
0: Absolutely. You've been working with over 40 countries. How does the perception of trust at the workplace vary across different cultures? And what are the biggest challenges you have encountered? I love this
1: question because I think, so especially I will use my example from NATO, building trust from a functional perspective, very difficult. So when you look at it from a NATO perspective, we already had different nations within one building. But still, they had their own national agenda and they're very sovereign in their information. So you still had a lot of uh, not secrecy, but not everything was shared or trust building was really done through lobbying and and a lot of meetings, uh, etc. So when it comes from a functional perspective, trust building is very difficult. And we see this in organizations as well. Everyone works on their map of the world. Everyone tries to protect their territory. So how do you build trust in this? And it comes down to relationships, personal relationship. It doesn't mean that everyone needs to be your friend or you need to become a family. Not at all. But When I was deployed in Afghanistan, for example, we developed very close relationships with the local government because when S hits the fan, the local governments were supposed to also help us if we were out on a civilian mission. So really understanding how you, you know, can apply skills like empathy and interpersonal relationships, because what happens then often, uh, the person will help you because they know you. They trust you, they have that affinity with you, not necessarily because of your title status. And we can use our title and authority, but it will only create a sense of compliance by fear or compliance by control, which doesn't always work and is not sustainable. So you really, exactly, you want to use social intelligence skills, you want to really build human relationships and it will be different for different people. Like, again, I don't think we should be in the workplace Hakuna Matata, (laughs) Uh, but I mean that but you want to know that I know that you've got my back if something happens and and this is important because I I also have a personal uh, Saturday blog and I wrote about this you want to be in the elevator with someone who may not be very friendly at first or who may not be very chatty but who knows how to stay calm and at peace within themselves when the elevator is stuck. You want someone who really is able to resist the pressure and to focus on the next step and the next step and the next step. And you don't want someone who is low levels of stress tolerance, who will panic at the first sight of adversity and, uh, and and this is what we you know, learned in NATO. And I, I was laughing, I had a consultancy with a client and I was first in the office one day and the alarm went off and it was a very loud alarm. And I called uh, the security company, they didn't give me the code. So I called my colleague and she was all stressed and then gave me the code. And I'm like, how are you? Is every, are the kids okay? Can you give me the code? And then she came in the office, he's like, how the hell did you stay so calm? I'm like it's just an alarm. It's just a sound because I have been under high pressure situations, so it doesn't trigger my nervous system anymore. And you you
0: have already learned how to navigate such situations exactly and how exactly. to master them exactly. Impressive.
1: This does not apply to offspring, by the way. That is a whole different
0: <laughs> stress management
1: strategies.
0: <laughs> I can imagine. But I really like the the comparison you did with um, this situation where, where the elevator is stuck and then you, yeah. you need someone who is really calm to manage the situation and exactly. And Mm -hmm. just to
1: look at cybercrime, I still get so many emails offering me in media interviews, uh, amazing job opportunities, and they don't trigger me, right? Even if they sound amazing opportunities, I check their email and then I see Gmail or I see something weird in their Mm -hmm. domain. I'm like, okay, this is a scam or uh, again sms you know log in right now before you etc i'm like no i have my dashboard i don't need to log in so i just delete and ignore right and that ability you can only cultivate when you mastered what i call inner peace calmness right. because you're not easily triggered and if you are triggered you know how to center yourself
0: so you don't react, rational respond. Right. exactly Um, Nadia, do you already possess a guide on how to become the CISO that everyone loves to work with?
1: Yeah, so here I have to thank you because I was working on something already and then you asked me and I thought, (laughs) oh my God, that's the perfect title. So thank you very much. So I I have several things. I have a lot of resources on emotional intelligence in the context of security, crisis management and cyber on my website, on my blog. I have a blog where I've listed the key elements for uh, CISO that everyone wants to work with. I have another uh, resource also that goes in depth on on the qualities of emotional intelligence leadership. But when I look at the CISO sanctuary and how I have organized it as a kind of personal community, There I share a lot on uh, weekly teams on how to use emotional intelligence to become more the people-centric leader, to become more the CISO that is really respected and uh, uh, people want to work with. But or not but, but and, but also a CISO who knows how to take care of themselves and manage their personal stress and well-being, which is, I think, so critical in their position uh, currently. Wow. The, because I think we see, I, I, on one hand, we see the validity of being a CISO, but we underestimate the invisible pressure they face, because of everything that's going on, right? The liability, the non-disclosure agreements they sign, the regulation, trying to build a security culture where many people don't care because they're focused on their own work and stress. You know, try you know, often being the scapegoat for security, or or if something happens, is it's the CISO's uh, responsibility, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. So uh, I think it's really. Having an approach inside out, building that resilient foundation from within, being able to shake off a lot of things, and still focusing on leading with emotional intelligence,
0: and being a great communicator, of course, yes. that will yes. bring their their relationship with other departments to another level. And yeah, what and experience is actually when. CISOs or information security managers approach other teams and they tell them that, look, it is not us against you, but it's us against the problem. They tend to be more collaborative. And uh, I've seen many problems being resolved simply by following that approach.
1: Yeah. What I was going to say as well, another very uh, uh, great strategy is actually not communicating, but active listening. Because what happens if you are, for example, a sister and you're trying to argue with the chief marketing officer, to have uh, more discernment what we put out online in terms of information, right? Data protection uh, that will reduce the the human surface attack. Now, if you are going to convince the marketing whose job primarily is to put out information, push information, which is risk tolerant and uh, CISO's job is risk averse, it's (laughs) going to create a a decognition, a a, a, a xenon. But if you listen to their concerns with having a more uh, uh, security approach to their marketing strategy, if you listen, right, really understand, they're going to be less defensive once they have vented out their concern. Now they are empty. And they can listen back to you, and you have a better idea on how you can apply cybersecurity strategy that they still can do their job, but in a more secure way. In ways, they, both of you may not have thought about. Right? So it's really communication is not only. I, I always say people who speak a lot are the are the ones with the least confidence level because truly confident people they don't they only speak when they need to. Yeah, when we feel insecure, we we say a lot, right? but. Confidence is quiet (laughs) and in my view, but uh, active listening is very powerful. But here's the trick. If you as a CISO or as any human being or professional in the workplace are dealing with so much stress and pressure, it's very difficult to apply empathy and to apply active listening, because all you can think about how do I get rid of my stress and discomfort right away? And you're not going to be able to focus on the other person. So timing and context is so important. That's why it starts with inside out. If you don't organize yourself from within, get yourself in the right mindset, it's going to be difficult Uh, to uh, influence other people and you're going to be more reactive and triggered by what they say, then if you are at peace, this is why I focus on inner peace, because if you experience inner peace, you'll be much more receptive and understanding and ask questions that are coming from a place of curiosity and not judgment. And the other party will be open and receptive to it. And that's how you build relationship
0: and trust, right? Absolutely. And talking about stress and conflicts, Information security leaders nowadays grapple with limited budgets and resources while they still need to navigate conflicts with other departments within the organization. They often find themselves bearing the blame as scapegoats for nearly every security incident that affects the company, you know. Um, Mm -hmm. But this situation leads them to burnout, to resignation, to um, a shortage of experts in the field, consequently. What message do you have for C-level executives in addressing this issue?
1: So the this is a really important question, and I don't have a silver bullet, but I do have an interesting approach that can reduce the risk of falling to burnout and making life more complicated than it needs to be. A lot of a, a lot of times we don't distinguish between visible stress factors so visible stress factor is if they are actually having a conflict with someone it's causing negative emotions which is causing stress because it's causing you know also negative thought patterns mm-hmm. in the moment this is visible or if they have to come up with a you know if there has been a data breach and they're working 24 7 with their team, to uh, uh, contain the damage of that data breach and protect the organizational digital footprint as much as possible. These are all visible stress. What are invisible stress? Invisible stress is the thoughts that we have that are in the back of our mind that are draining our emotions. So what are some of these thoughts? Am I able to be a good CISO within the company? And especially when we look at it from, you know, I don't want to make this about gender, but if you are a male CISO, you probably are unlikely and have not learned to, you know, apply emotional intelligence because it feels very uncomfortable to you in 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 thinking this way, because the negative thoughts of inadequacy, if you're able to do your job, is draining your energy. And this okay. is reduces your focus and your ability to perform. The other thing is The stress and impact it has in your personal life, if you have friends, and family, or a, a relationship, because you are working a lot. This is why I say we focus too much on the vanity and not on the real problems CISOs face, is they are absent a lot. And they are facing so much mental pressure that is invisible to the outside world. Because can you imagine working in an environment? Yes, you are paid wonderful. Yes, it's an amazing opportunity and gift to be able to be a CISO in today's age. But you also have the luggage of that if something goes wrong, you may be criminalized and you may be jailed. And I always stay away from polarizing because it's easy to say hindsight, you should have done this and that, but we don't know, understand the pressure people face in these positions. So these are all invisible stress factors. And here's where I come in with my approach. I focus on the invisible, on the root cause to really have a solid foundation in all areas of their life to reduce their root cause so they can focus better on focusing what is in their locus of control and letting go of what is not on their locus of control and this shifts their stress levels and they can build more positive emotional capital what do I mean by that the father the founding father of positive psychology Martin Seligman he actually measures well-being because we can't measure happiness or what is happiness for your uh. happiness I'm very different. My son, happiness is, you know, having his transformer uh, every other week, a new present. It's very subjective. It's um, very subjective. But well-being, he explained, is like the weather. You can measure the density of the rain. You can measure the, the, the sun, ray, etc. Same thing with well-being. You can measure the positive relationship, engagement, meaning, person, purpose, uh, sense of achievement. Now, we all know we have much more negative emotion than positive emotion. And especially if you're very logical dispositioned and very analytical, you're trying to think your way to your feelings, which doesn't work. You have to be able to feel your feelings so the emotion can leave your body and you don't feel the stress anymore. Emotion is energy in motion. So I help them have more positive emotions throughout moments to build up that resilience and the strength so they can counterbalance the negative emotions and still have stress, but they will have peaks of stress and not chronic stress. Exactly. So this is what, what I think is so important is to get away from the superficial uh, portrayal of stress and, and hindsight lessons and blame and shame and really tackle the invisible stress factor, which is one of the reason why I created the SISO Sanctuary. It's a safe place where they can learn these strategies, where you know I also do guided meditations that are tailored for the modern SISO. right? These are not spiritual meditations, but really help them increase their positive emotions and reduce their stress within their map of the world. I, I really think this is going to be a game changer and and there are a lot of studies and there are a lot of research, but at the end of the day, a CISO has only 24 hours a day. They are they don't have enough time. They need practical strategies so they can manage their energy more than their time. If you can if you learn how to master your energy, you don't need to focus so much on your time. Because if you have more energy, you can you feel better and you can do so much more. And that Absolutely. is Yeah, and that that can you can do that through emotional intelligence. And and the other thing I will say, which is very practical that anyone can implement now, is we don't realize how much emotional carry over we have now what do I mean by that if you're managing an incident and you are facing all these threat actors and then you know the situation is resolved and then you go into another meeting and then you have the stress of your peers or your senior leadership and then you know you carry those negative emotions with you into your next activities and then you go home and then you have challenges home so throughout the day you have not diffused or stopped the emotional carry over from all the previous activities which is creates a compound effect of stress. So one of the things that I also use is to help them, very practical breathing strategies, but also like other strategies, to not carry over the negative emotions from their previous event or activity, which makes a world of difference over time. Also, I focus on you know a, a more sustainable approach, and the first hour when you wake up and the last hour before you go to bed are crucial in managing yeah. your stress. So these are things that may not sound uh, obvious, but are so are now little things that you can adjust, but are, will will have a, a big difference in your overall stress levels.
0: Yeah, definitely, especially if people are consistent in applying these methods of stress. Yeah. Cybersecurity is often perceived as a dry subject, particularly for non-technical individuals, more so in the heavily regulated industries like banking sector. I, I just wanted to ask, what is your take on how can organizations formulate an effective cyber hygiene strategy that safeguards against threats, but at the same time without overwhelming their employees?
1: Yeah. So you, you can't see me on camera, but I'm having a little smirk because I represent a total shock for cybersecurity people. <laughs> As I have a, a very different approach to cyber hygiene. And part of it is I have done and dealt, you know, I was working in NATO communication information agency for over more than a third of my career in NATO. And we've we have they have now. I don't work there anymore, but the cyber operations center. So cyber hygiene was a big issue, especially when we already worked remotely with classified data. So and it was always approached from a very technical level, which necessarily doesn't create behavioral change. So how I think of it is, and this is why I launched this emotional firewalls program: is you can have a triple win if you approach cybersecurity in uh, in in a different way. And, and maybe this is a biased answer, but uh, I'm going to share my views, uh, which may not everyone may not agree with yet. Is the first one when you use emotional intelligence, you will meet the need of the people, individual people don't care, unless you are cybersecurity or IT, you don't care so much about updating their computer, having technical updates forcing them to watch through cybersecurity awareness, right? They don't necessarily care for it because what's in it for them? How are you going to get them out of their comfort zone in doing something that is perceived as an additional burden? What they do care about is higher levels of well-being, being more successful, being a better communicator, uh, having leadership skills, etc. So that is what emotional intelligence brings to the table on an individual level. Then you have on the second level is leadership. I mean, it's no secret that uh, leadership is under a lot of fire at the moment because we all heard of quiet quitting. We all heard, you know, see the burnout levels, uh, managers are being called toxic, etc. I personally believe that's just part of the story. The other part is how can we redefine leadership to be better equipped in the hybrid working environment that we are living in right now and help with resiliency right, and helping having a more people-centric leadership and helping guiding people through these crises, etc. So that is the second part. The third, if you apply these two strategies within the context of cybersecurity scenarios, you are going to build a secure digital footprint because people who work in different functional departments will practice emotional intelligence strategies within their map of the world. So someone who works, again, in marketing will know how to publish information that will not lead to a data breach because of the sensitivity of the information and they will develop interpersonal relationship skills to have a collaboration mechanism with the IT or cybersecurity department to proof check before going ahead. When you have people who work in a design department, they they have these social skills with other departments, with the chief financial officer, the uh, legal officer and everything to design security at the start that is human centric that will reduce you know any risk that will that we see later on liability insurance etc so these are so important skills but at the same time they can apply these skills for their own Uh, well-being and quality and leadership skills at work. So it's really addressing the human factor. I'm not saying that this is addressing the technical factor, right? This is why we still need uh, technical people and technical solutions. But for the human factor, you have three wins. I I was going to say three birds with one stone, but I don't think that's an expression. I think the expression is you kill two birds with one stone. (laughs) So So now you have three birds with one stone which then is communicating cyber hygiene in people's map of the world. Not everyone needs to know the whole story of, uh, and often what happens with cybersecurity awareness, we share the same message for everyone. A CEO doesn't need to know the backstory of the infrastructure that That's keeps a very the good point. organization safe. They need That's- to know, how do I manage stakeholders' perception? How do I manage business disruption? And how what is the level of confidence that if something happens, we have the ability on a people process technology level to have minimal impact as possible. Right. and to and to speak in a way that other people understand. Because, I mean, we all know it. When we are an expert in something, we love to shine and show our peacock feathers, right? <laughs> it's human. But when we That's... speak in such a way, we speak from our perspective and not the other person's perspective.
0: I was thinking about how tailored is our content. It is not that much tailored, actually. When we develop an information security awareness training, it will be the same for every person in the company. And this is not quite right because they have different needs and they are working in different job positions. They might be interested into looking into security from a different standpoint. And now my hope is that will be a game changer, especially when it comes to tailored information security awareness trainings.
1: Exactly. And this is what I've tried to do with the Emotional Firewalls program, program to keep it gener- generational diverse, because there's a huge difference also between generations, especially when we look at the younger generations that are digital natives and the impulse to act is much quicker. And uh-huh. I hear I'm generalizing, but, uh, you know, when we look at the data, uh, then uh, someone who has uh, more experience in the workforce, we've seen this incident with Jack Teixeira who leaked a US Pentagon information on the gaming channel so Mm -hmm. here we look at you know his personal motivations peer pressure young as well at that age and and these are all the things we dealt already with in NATO And, and in NATO actually like my function I was part of an office that was part for translation because it was unfair to ask the CIO, the CISO, and uh, because we were also responsible for the move from the old NATO headquarters to the new NATO headquarters in terms of the IT, which was a huge, huge, huge program, an ordeal. Political sensitive, timely sensitive, uh, on the, in the spotlight uh, as well. But it was on. They already faced so much pressure in getting the IT uh, right and security right. So in the, and they also had to brief the committees, different committees. We had the resources committee. We had the budget committee. We had the uh, the political committee. We had the ambassadors. So our role was translating the message for these different committees. So the mess, the core, was the same, but the messes was adapted to people's map of the world. And this requires relationships and understanding who you're talking to, seek to understand before being understood. And this requires quite some mental energy. So if you are already someone who's extremely busy and overloaded, you won't have the mental bandwidth if you don't learn how to manage your energy and use these skill set as part of your daily
0: uh, interactions. Absolutely. Nadia, we know that we lack women and other underrepresented groups in cybersecurity domain. How important it is for cybersecurity to have diversity in the field? And what can we do to actually foster it? Let me answer in a, in a sequence. And, and the first sequence may shock people, but
1: we have to hear me out. So first, I think we really need to focus on recruiting based on merit and meeting the required competencies, right? How well is someone dispositioned to meet the competencies of what the organization is looking for? Because I've seen many times where we hired women that checked the diversity box, but didn't necessarily check the uh, competency uh, box. Now, here's the problem. When we look at the pool of available uh, women, it's very small. It is yeah. not. Here is where we lack equity, and this is where we should focus on. How can we create a bigger talent pool so organizations can say, you know, because there are many brilliant women out there that can uh, uh, contribute in amazing and necessary ways in cybersecurity, but they're not part of the pool. So the the, the focus, in my view, should be how do we create this pool. And then it comes to how do we encourage younger women, women who are in their you know, uh, reinvention of their career to become part of that pool and not communicate cybersecurity in a way that is boring or off-putting. We don't only need technical people. We need more diverse neurodivergent thinking because if we haven't caught up yet, generative AI, is already on the road to replace a lot of technical expertise. So this Absolutely. certification for application security, et cetera, is constantly changing, and if you're training human beings to do the work that AI is going to do, you're just going to be setting up the scene for a lot of mental health crisis because people are going to lose their jobs, they're not being trained for the critical thinking skill set, for the design thinking skill set, for the human part, because AI is a tool. And we have to influence and shape the outcome of this technology. So the, 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 the dark side, right, There was there's always polarity. Technology is used for good and technology is used for bad. How can we, technology for good, stay ahead? And here is where I really think we need to focus on making the talent pool more filled with women Right. And that meet the different competencies and requirements for cybersecurity. And the last thing I will say from an individual perspective, when it comes to women and really helping them develop the confidence and owning themselves, because often what I've seen from my experience, and I was there as well, women, they will, in, in general, you will always be seen as the victim. Or the villain, right? right? And 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 some and we tend to overplay the, the humility card in order to fit in. I think we should have more women who have the courage to be seen as a villain. I don't mind being seen as a villain. People will anyway make up their assumption about you, even if they have no clue about your story and who you are. But especially in this industry, don't be afraid to be seen as the villain, right? And I don't mean that in a way that go be mean or anything, not at all. Be more concerned about what you have to bring onto the table. Be 300% where your confidence The difference between arrogance and confidence is humility. We are not better than anyone and no one is better than us. But don't play small because so many people are playing small because they want to fit in or they're afraid to rock the boat. And we need more people who rock the boat, especially in cybersecurity industry, because at this speed, we're not going to stay ahead of the cyber threats.
0: Yeah, being seen as a villain is definitely a testament of moving exactly. other to to uh, higher heights,
1: right? Exactly, exactly, exactly. So it was it's, it's an it's it's a metaphor that I saw on an interview by an, a, a famous actress, the one who plays in Grey's Anatomy, who said that, and it and it really struck a chord with me. I said yes. We, we we are too. Sometimes we're afraid of being seen as a villain. You can think whatever you want from me, as long as I think here is where personal integrity comes in. As long as you know that you go to bed with integrity. People will think whatever they want to think and make up their mind about you based on their bias and their mood. So it will, it's your actions, it's how you show up, right? It's how you exactly. perform. Those are the key performance indicators. And as women, we spend too much time worrying what other people think Main of difference. us or, or or you know, we're competing with other women, uh, etc. Uh, no, don't don't go that. That's a waste of energy. Focus on yourself, focus on the vision and be unapologetic about who you are. I'm unapologetic about who I am and, I've, and I wasn't for a long time. And I know that you know the approach that I have is not resonating still with several people. That's absolutely fine. I have a vision, I'm continuing. And there will be lots of opinions about me and, and what I do and how I do it, etc. I can't be focused on that because that takes away my mental energy on creating a solution that potentially can help millions of
0: people around the world. Exactly. Thank you so much for sharing that, Nadia. That's a very powerful message. Well, uh, asking employees to stay vigilant in identifying scams or phishing attempts is really a challenging task as it depends on many, many factors. This challenge is being intensified by the current landscape where AI is empowering hackers to execute flawless attacks, and they really resemble to to genuine communications nowadays. What adjustment should organizations make to their existing information security awareness strategies to maintain the effectiveness of the ever-evolving threat landscape?
1: So, I thank you very much for this uh, question. I think... We can make it very complex, or we can simplify it. So I'll go with the simplified approach, which is not going to address the entire complexity of the question, right? So here we have an opportunity to completely merge technical and human potential. We need technology to continue to reduce the risk factor for people to fall for phishing attacks. And even if they click, that there is a backup solution that doesn't go further. So this is really important to reduce the risk as much as possible. Now, when it comes to people, there will always be a certain percentage who will fall. However, if we focus on helping people feel less reactive and more responsive through emotional well-being strategy, through stress management strategies through assertiveness skills through uh, breathing techniques through you know all these well-being uh, management strategies they will be more reflective and they will are likely to click on links because someone who has trained themselves like and I see this with myself in the beginning I still clicked on some links because I was still you know all over the place or a bit anxious now I know if I had a, a crisis with my son and he really pushed the button I'm not going to open my emails or even read my emails because what I how I perceive the emails will be from a very negative lens. Often the next day when I read it I'm like oh it was not as bad as I thought it was. Right? <laughs> so and it's it, and it's really helping people not to feel ashamed to understand how their thinking patterns work and to help them to be more reflective than reactive. And by this strategy alone I, you can measure then the percentage of people that actually fall for scams. There there will always be, a, we're not going to eradicate, not at all. But I do believe wholeheartedly you can reduce the the, the the percentage of people falling for these scams through emotional manipulation, by teaching them emotional intelligence, by having a culture. This is the second important, which is, more difficult because it depends on the cultural hierarchy within an organization a culture that leads by fear or with with high power distance meaning that there is a lot of you know fear for leadership they're going to act based on fear so ceo frauds is when you know we ask people to send money because they are impersonating the ceo is very popular and works Because how often do we work in an organization where we don't want to to disappoint the manager or we are afraid to lose our jobs or we are afraid to be fired, especially in this economic climate? Fear will lead to bigger risk for data breaches. So here again, when we come back to my triple win strategy, leadership, emotional intelligence leadership, sounds very biased, but it's so important. It's kind of quite common sense. It's when you take care of your people, they will have a healthier way of uh, protecting your digital footprint and reducing the risk as much as possible. And they will love it because they will increase their own well being, their personal relationships, their professional relationships, and have less stress because they will be equipped to deal with these challenges that we face in the current environment.
0: Nadia, thank you so much for the wonderful insights you shared with the audience today. It was really lovely having another podcaster as a guest. <laughs> Thank <laughs> you <laughs> so much. And I really enjoyed it so much. Thank you for your time. And please continue the great work you're doing.
1: Thank you. It was a, it was a pleasure. As you can see, I'm very passionate about the subject. So I can go on for uh, hours. But I, I really value the opportunity to share how transformative emotional intelligence can be to build a more safer, secure, and human-centric society in the digital age.
0: Thank you for listening to Cyberstar Talks podcast. If you like what you heard, please follow us, leave a review, and tune in monthly for the upcoming episodes.